Well, we have a special treat this morning. We began a conversation, oh man, it's been a couple of years ago now, about uh, inviting uh, what we viewed as a critical ministry to Homer, Alaska. And so we had an initial conversation a couple of years ago. Um, Actually, that was even predated by other conversations that happened before that with other people in our community. With the ministry of Set Free, And what's been a real cool uh, full circle here just in the last little while is not only is Set Free uh, established uh, both an inpatient and outpatient ministry here in Homer for those who are seeking to overcome addiction, uh, but we, our ministry here has now been able to mingle with the ministry of Set Free uh, and the community of Set Free. And that's just been such a joy and a pleasure. So uh, Set Free Alaska, uh, is uh, led by a good friend of mine, uh, Executive Director Philip Licht. And uh, he is joining us this morning online uh, to uh, bring the word along with a little bit of an update uh, about Set Free. So would you guys welcome Philip Licht. Philip, thanks for joining us live online. Here. Not my favorite way, but I am thankful for the opportunity uh, to join with you all online. Glad to have you with us. Let me pray for you. Thanks. God, I do thank you for Philip, his willingness uh, to come here and share with us this morning from your word. Uh, I am so thankful uh, for his ministry uh, across the state of Alaska, the impact that Set Free Alaska is having on uh, so many who are reaching out for uh, hope. So uh, I just pray a blessing on him now. I pray a blessing on all of those who are listening in right now. God, would your spirit uh, move through your words, and uh, would you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Thanks, Aaron. It was a Sunday morning, like it is this morning, as you're watching here. 2017, I was speaking at a church on the rock in Wasilla, giving an update about Set Free Alaska and a new program that we were starting for women and pregnant women. Afterwards, I was at a table and a couple approached me to ask for prayer. It was a tragic, heart-wrenching story I had heard too many times before. Their daughter, whom they had loved and helped and poured themselves out into, was struggling with addiction. She was pregnant and trapped in a very destructive pattern. We joined together and asked God for mercy to bring her home to them, to him, and to move upon her heart to come to Valley Oaks Residential Treatment Center for help. Last summer, I was at our annual barbecue in Matsu, and the couple approached me. I stretched up my hand to introduce myself, and I thought to myself, somehow I know this couple. I recognize them from somewhere. The man was just glowing and exclaimed, isn't it amazing that our daughter is now working for you? It took me a few moments to put the pieces together, and this very couple that had cried out to God for mercy two years before was standing with me that day. Also attending the barbecue was their daughter, sober, with her child whom she had full custody. She had responded to God's leading to come back to him. She'd given birth to her child while sober and in treatment. She completed the program and after 18 months, sobriety was hired as a behavioral health specialist. She still works for us today, using what she went through by God to set the captives free. I have good news for you today. 
We serve a God who cares about the broken and the hurting. God is able and willing to bring freedom to the prisoner, healing to the hurting, and hope to the hopeless. I don't know about you, but this has been a crazy year. I'm just barely surviving through this pandemic, trying to keep my head above water. I had to quarantine this summer thinking I had COVID only to find out that the doctor had given me the wrong results. Then I actually got COVID and had to quarantine again. I had several trips out of state canceled. I've been working from home half of the time. This has forced me to have to slow down, spend extra time with my wife and kids. I've also had to reevaluate what's important to me. It's just been horrible. Due to the pandemic, Sefri has been growing to fill the various needs that have arisen. And because of all this favor we have from the state, we've had to hire almost 40 people. Stewarding all this abundance has been a real pain in the butt. You know what they say, leadership would be easy if it wasn't for all the people. To top it off, we have racial inequity issues, national divisions stressing me out, elections, which I'm convinced somehow the aliens tampered with. I'm still mad they took a portion of my PFD, which they initially took from the old companies. I only got $7,000 of free money that I didn't work for, but deserved because I was born here. Well, I did get another 5,000 from the federal government that I also didn't earn, but nonetheless, it could have been a lot more. I cannot wait for 2021 so that this year will finally be over. Now before, <laughs> before Aaron like, cuts my mic off, let's rewind, try that again. I don't know about you, but this has been a crazy year. This pandemic and people's response to it has created some significant impact, but because my hope and security is not based in this world, I have continued to thrive through it. I'm convinced that God caused the doctor to give me the wrong results so that I could quarantine for 10 days. Right in the best week of fishing, I spent eight days at the river and caught more salmon than I've ever caught in one week in my life. I've had several trips canceled and various responsibilities diminished. I've been working from home half the time, which has allowed me to spend additional quality time with my wife and kids and given me the opportunity to slow down enough to really evaluate what's important to me. Set Free has been so blessed through all of this. We've nearly doubled in size and are taking advantage of every opportunity to expand the ministry God has given us to steward. God is truly showing up, proving that our provision, our protection, and our sustenance is from him and not rooted in this world. Due to the divide in our nation, I've taken the chance to learn more about racial inequity and what is God's heart for mercy, for justice, and how can we heal as a nation. My family's been ex given extra money that we've been able to use to bless others. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to grow and to learn, and I cannot wait to see what God is going to do in 2021. Same circumstances, two very different lenses. What's the key variable in these two narratives? Well, I would venture to say it's really just me. My attitude, the perspective by which I view the world, in part this is formed by my focus, what I allow myself to see, to hear, and ultimately to believe. In part this is formed by my focus and what news I'm receiving, believing, and sharing with the world around me. I would ask you to consider this morning, what's the narrative through which you are viewing our current circumstances. What kind of news are you receiving, believing, and sharing with those around you? Is it bad news or is it good news? I woke up early to drive to Homer Thursday morning, 
showered up, come out into the living room about 5 a.m. to find my seven-year-old Nathan laying on the couch, my youngest son, and I asked him, what are you doing up so early? Much to my surprise, he's just glowing, said, Dad, I'm too excited to sleep. Really, why is that? I get to go to the dentist today. Good news? The power of perspective. In uncertain times, crisis, division, pandemic, it's easy to slip into negativity, which leads us to anxiety, stress, and fear. What I choose to focus on dramatically impacts my emotional and even my physical health. This in turn becomes the message or the news that I share with the world around me. Circumstances may look different. However, our culture is not the first to encounter struggles. In fact, one may argue that the difficulties of our day pale in comparison to some or most throughout human history. Regardless of the condition or the circumstance, we see the consistent message of hope from God to his people. It resounds loudly to Joshua as he takes the leadership reins from Moses. Do not fear. Be strong and courageous. We hear it through the prophet Isaiah. Do not fear what they fear. It rings through the words of our Lord, fear not, I have overcome the world. This too was the message that the angel brought forth when announcing our Lord's birth in Luke chapter two, verse 10. The Israelites had just experienced one of the darkest times in the history of God's people. They had not heard from him in generations and were living under extreme oppression and immorality of the Roman empire. Now I'm not talking about voter fraud or a socialist movement that's so uh, evil wanting to provide things like free college to everybody. I'm talking about murder people on the cross and, and in the streets and gross immorality, public immorality that even some of Hollywood's elite would blush at. Incredible oppression that they had been enslaved and in captivity and ravaged for 800 years, living in a constant state of stress and fear. It was in this context that the Lord chooses to set the stage for his coming. The message began actually not in Luke 2, but in chapter 1, with an angelic appearance to Zacharias, prophesying the birth of John, the forerunner of Jesus. It's a turn of a page for us, but reflects 400 years of silence from Malachi to the New Testament. During a time when the people were so oppressed and beat down, the angel appears to a man whose name means Jehovah remembers whose wife Elizabeth names means the promise or the oath of God. Through the silence and the waiting, God shows up in typical fashion and declares his faithfulness to a couple whose name together means Jehovah remembers his oath. Jehovah remembers his promise. A reminder was brought forth of a message from long ago to their forefathers. Do not be afraid. Why? What reason do we have to lift us from this place of despair? I have some good news. Good news that God remembers. Good news that God keeps his word. Today, I'm here to share with you some good news. Good news from our day about what God is doing as we enter into this Advent season, preparing for the celebration of the birth of our Lord. The good news of which all other good news is built upon. God's message of hope to us, not just as a reminder during this Christmas season, but to sustain us through any difficult time. God's message to us is the same. 
in a day of unrest and fear, do not be afraid. I've not forgotten my promise to you or to my people. It's important that we learn as believers not to focus on the negative, but on the good. What is holy, pure, righteous, and blameless by focusing our attention on good news and ultimately the giver of good news, we can overcome hopelessness and be the salt and the light that God intended us to be. A few years ago, I was at a worship service in Palmer and a man approached me afterwards and he said, I have a something on my heart that I'd like to share with you, if that's okay. And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a $100 bill and he gave it to me. I thought, I like where this is going. Share more. He said that he saw a picture during worship of me with an old change purse and everything God had put on my heart to do. I was pulling $100 bill after $100 bill out of the change purse as if there was unlimited resources to accomplish what God put on my heart. Now, we have a group in our community called the 100 Plus Women, and for the ignorant men out there like myself, this is not a group like I initially thought, a, a, like a diet group of 100 like, plus-sized women. Do you have a group like this in the community, 100 Plus Women? It actually should be named 100 or more women, not 100 Plus Women for the, for the male species. We could better understand that. But this, what they do is once a quarter, they get together and they all give $100 a hundred or more of them, which equals 10,000 or more dollars, and they give it to a nonprofit. Just a few months after I had received this word, Sefri was selected by this organization, and we received an envelope because the organization is not official to where they can give to it. Each woman gives in a $100 increment directly to that organization. So I receive an envelope literally full of around $10,000 in $100 increments. Within that same year, we had a million and a half dollar property purchased on our behalf and allowed to use it for a 10-year dollar lease. Over two and a half million in remodel and program launch fees were also given additionally. And just this year, a few months ago, that property deed was given to us free and clear. Last year, when we started to move in our hearts to come to Homer and provide this service, the Lord continued to provide abundantly. We were given all the resources necessary and able to secure our property out East Sind Road, where today, even now, men are there receiving love and receiving teaching and receiving support to help them regain the dignity and worth that God created them to walk in. We also have an outpatient program up and running here in the city of Homer with individual and group counseling. Now, I can track this exponential abundance and favor back to that first $100 bill. I have some good news for you today. God is our provider, not the federal government, not our state. God is the one who promises to provide for each of us. Proverbs 15.30 says, bright eyes gladden the heart, but good news brings fat to the bones. Good news brings fat to the bones. The word here used for fat means anointed or prosperous. Now, when the Bible talks about fat, it does so in terms of abundance, abundance of health, abundance of anointing, of the oil from the fat, a symbol of the Holy Spirit, abundance of prosperity. Another important question to ask ourselves this morning is, when did fat become a bad thing? I think we need to bring back the wholesome goodness of fat. Now, disregard that last statement and take away this truth. Good news strengthens us physically. Proverbs 25, 25 says, 
like a cold drink of water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. Like a cold, refreshing drink of water, good news strengthens us emotionally. Now imagine with me right now a a drink of refreshing water from a mountain stream. My oldest son, Braden, and I went up Matanuska Peak this summer. It's a 6,000-foot vertical rise elevation. It's a very difficult hike. We camped overnight next to a mountain stream, and I cannot tell you how refreshing to my weary soul that drink of water was. This is an instant where fat was not a good thing. Now, disregard that last statement and take away this truth. Good news refreshes our soul. The Bible declares to us that good news will strengthen us physically and emotionally. Psychologists have found that the constant hearing or focus on bad news has negative impact on us physically and emotionally. Now, this probably makes perfect logical sense. But again, it's like in so many instances, Science and all of these disciplines are actually proving what the Bible has declared for generations. Here are some of the negative impacts of bad news that they have found. First of all, significant negative impact on our mental health. Depression, anxiety, stress, the mental health is dramatically impacted by bad news. There is an increased level of cortisol, which is the primary stress hormone, and it's a good thing, but in heavy doses or in consistent doses, it's very harmful to us physically. They have found that increase in inappropriate doses of cortisol can actually lead to the inability of our body to naturally regulate blood pressure, and it can have a significant negative impact on our mood or on our overall mindset or our perspective, as I shared earlier. Could you just imagine the impact of spending hours a day on Facebook or listening to the negative, whether it's conservative or liberal media, the negativity that is out there, how much impact is that having on our society, both physically and emotionally? In one study of 3,000 employees at a company, there was a control group, and they took a randomly uh, selected test group of just over half of the employees. Now, what they did without the people realizing is they took this test group, and they exposed them once a week prior to the company meeting for just a month, four weeks of exposure, 90 seconds to four minutes a day prior to this meeting of good news. Now listen to these results after just one month of this between the test and the control group. Those exposed to good news were 18% more optimistic. They were 34% less anxious. In one month's time, exposure to good news caused them to be 34% less anxious and 12% more likely to be grateful for their health. Now, nothing had changed about their health. This was a month time, but they were 12% more grateful for their health. Something about the human condition kind of lends itself to the focus on negativity. You've heard the saying from the media, if it bleeds, it reads. It's why the clickbait headlines on social media or the news feeds that we see on our phone are so effective. There is also something natural to the human condition that is addressed first by the angel in Luke 2, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Now, this is certainly um, in response to the fear of the shepherds at the seeing of the angel. 
And I think it's really typical and appropriate, especially for the men, as we see in Scripture, to be afraid when they see an angel. There's something about the women. This is fascinating to me. Mary encounters an angel, and she says, well, that's a very interesting way to say hello. We see the men trembling with fear and falling at their faces with something about the women. It's like, wow, I've never heard that kind of a greeting before. Now, in addition to the response of the angelic presence, I think it's safe to say through the context of Scripture, the consistency of the message and the understanding of what the people are going through in that day, that do not fear is the message God wants to bring to his people at this time. Chris Valentin said, fear is the most widely accepted sin in the church today. Fear is like faith in an inferior kingdom. It's rooted in unbelief, and ultimately it says that I have an anticipation or an expectation of something bad happening, which is greater than my anticipation or expectation of something good or in God's ability to protect me from something bad or in God's ability to keep me even through a season of something bad and bring some kind of good in about it. Fear versus faith is really rooted in our trust in God and our understanding of his nature and his character. Why does the Bible over and over emphasize the importance of God's people not living in fear? Why was it that David slept with a man's wife and had him murdered and he remained on the throne and God called him a man after his heart, but Saul feared the people and the throne was stripped from him? You see, what you fear controls you. And especially as a leader, God wants to be in control of your life. Paul said the love of Christ compels me, or the love of Christ controls me. You cannot be controlled by love when you live in fear. Love casts out fear. Love is interested in the best of others. While fear is rooted in self, fear controls you self-preservation and all other forms of selfishness will manifest in your life. If you're living in fear, you're also going to receive and communicate through the lens of fear, which will taint the pure and incredible message of hope for all the people. Your perspective will impact how you receive and thus reflect God to the world around you. Now, as a kid, I lived in a house next door to the house I live in now. Actually, I've lived in four houses on my same road. I don't get out a whole lot. My parents owned a store across the street. It was maybe a five-minute walk and a one-minute bike ride. Now, I was in probably elementary school. I was alone at the house, and I began hearing voices outside of my bedroom window, loud voices of men coming from our motorhome. It was parked alongside of our house. I called my dad at the store to confirm that it wasn't him, and he came home and looked in the, in the motorhome but found nothing. Now, he left, and, the, and not long, the voices returned. I called him again and could not convince him to come home, and this fear is rising up in me as I'm growing more and more afraid. The voices continue, and I formed all sorts of thoughts in my mind of what these men or these ghosts or these aliens were going to do to me. My fear became so irrational, I even was convinced that our rocker recliner had started moving without anybody touching it in the living room. So I called my friend Elijah, who tried to walk me through an escape plan. He said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to run out of the house at top speed, grab your bike, don't look back, and pedal as fast as you can over to the store. I protested at first because, you see, Elijah was small and fast. And this was another instance when fat was not good because fat meant slow, and slow meant being caught, and being caught meant being tortured, and who knows what else. 
So finally, I mustered up the courage and I ran from the home, my heart racing. I grabbed my bike and I pedaled as fast as I could to the safety of my dad. Now, when we came home later that night, we found no one in the motorhome. But we did discover the voices which returned. And come to find out, my dad had a CB radio and an amplified horn that had been connected to the radio and this megaphone that he could play sounds and do all this kind of stuff and somehow it had been left on and as the truckers were driving by the CB radio was picking up their conversation and amplifying it through the microphone through the megaphone and the motorhome for me to hear in my bedroom now this fear this story represents fear as most of us struggle with it it's the kind of the fear that results from focusing on or dwelling upon bad news vain imagination, or the illusion of what could go wrong. The problem is that this kind of fear is only an illusion. It's not rooted in reality. It's a ruse of the devil to distract you from the power and the influence that God has for you to exhibit as a believer. The angel in Luke 2.10 declares, you should not fear, but the news that I have for you will bring great joy to all the people. Now, Pastor Aaron, over these next few weeks, is going to get into the details of this good news, but I want to highlight to us this phrase specifically and intentionally used by the angel for all the people. God is getting ready to open the door to bless all mankind. The Jews were God's chosen people. They were, there was a perspective actually reinforced that they were the ones selected by him and used by him to bring about his revelation to all of the world. There was various foreshadows throughout the Old Testament, and God was trying to communicate to them that his love, compassion, mercy, and the coming salvation was not intended just for them. But even so, the thought that the Messiah would come not just to save the Jews, but for the Romans... And for the rest of the world, this was a revolutionary thought. It was mind-blowing. It was disruptive that God would actually come to save the entire world. Good news for all the people, the lost, the broken, the alien, the foreigner. Those who are prodigal, sick, and lonely are about to be introduced to a God who loves and accepts them where they are, regardless of their nationality. Aren't you thankful that the good news of Jesus was for all the people? I can just assume that the majority of us listening today are not Jewish, and we have been grafted in to God's story of redemption. It was 20 years ago when the good news of Jesus gripped my heart in a way that I was never again the same. I had experienced the love of God several years before and walked away from him. And after tasting and seeing that he was good, I came under the lie that I could never have that life. For some reason, I was too far gone. I had failed him too many times. I was unlovable and unforgivable. I was living in a drug house in Oregon and ended up in Las Vegas on vacation. It was somehow somewhere around four or five in the morning and was standing on a casino floor with a margarita in each hand, just trying to drink enough to pass out from the, the night before. It was in that moment, in the middle of Sin City, in my place of hurt and pain as a foreigner who had rejected God and his love, scorned his mercy towards me that God rent the heavens and came down. I heard a voice over me as, as if it was audible that boomed and said, my son, I love you and I want to forgive you. 
words that shattered the lies that had crusted my heart and my mind, and words that caused me to be instantly sober. I ran to my room and fell on my face and cried out to God for mercy and forgiveness. I have good news for you today. We serve a God who loves and forgives the lost. We serve a God who heals the brokenhearted and takes that brokenness and uses it to cause us to be messengers of his love and hope to a hurting and dying world. Now, things in our world are crazy right now. There's no sense in us putting our head in the sand and denying it. Our focus and our perspective, however, what news we choose to listen to and dwell upon, this will dictate our emotional and even our physical health as we walk through these difficult times. And it will impact our courage and our ability to overcome fear and be a true reflector of God's love to those around us. He is our provider. He is our protector. He is our savior. He's always been that, and his nature and his character will never change. His promise throughout the Old and New Testament remains the same. The words he spoke to the angel, through the angel to Zacharias and Elizabeth, the message to the shepherds announcing the coming of our Lord Jesus is true today, just as it was then. Do not be afraid. Jehovah remembers his promises. He's a covenant-keeping God. You don't have to fear. I have a plan to turn this all around, a plan that will bring blessing and hope, good news leading to great joy for all the people. Let's pray. Father God, I lift up everyone listening to this message right now, and I ask that you would stir hope and love in our hearts in a way that would overcome fear. I pray, God, that you would capture our hearts and our minds to focus on you, to believe the message that you have for us. And I ask that you would give us grace and help us to shut out the messages that are not healthy and building us up. Help us to be salt and light in this season that we would have something to offer the world around us. We love you and we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your grace and your faithfulness. And I declare today over everybody listening, you are a God who remembers. You are a God who keeps your word. You are a covenant-keeping God. We love you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.